It's so great to be back. Uh, it's been, I think, about nine months since we were with you, and uh, just so wonderful to see old faces and new. Uh, just fantastic as well to see all the new little kids. Just lovely, wonderful to see the progress of this incredible property as well, how you're stewarding it, and uh, even more important than that, just to hear these stories of gospel fruit, of lives changed by the gospel, bodies healed, just absolutely wonderful people like John and Naomi just going on in faithfulness as a, as a model for us, just wonderful. Uh, it's a real privilege to, to preach this morning. Uh, you can bring me down, thanks Jeff, I've got a incredibly powerful voice, so. <laughs> so, as we were praying this morning, um, I, uh, Ryan led beautifully and just was reminding us of that verse in Hebrews, I'm not going to preach out of that, but just that verse that said, that says, uh, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And, um, and hearing people have stories of persistence and God breaking through in due season. And this physical season is just a wonderful metaphor, isn't it? Of, I mean, going through hot summer and winter and all the leaves off and then this kind of super bloom that we are aware of. Uh, that's a parable of, of the life in Christ, isn't it? There are some seasons where it feels like all the leaves are off, and then there's seasons where we push through, trusting God, faithfully sowing, um, where the rains come, and then God brings growth. And I want to encourage you with that. You know, um, I've enjoyed this rain this last winter, but there's nothing like the joy of the rain when you've planted seed in the ground. Uh, this last week, I planted seed, and there was this unexpected rain, and it was a different joy than when I hadn't planted seed. And I just want to encourage you, uh, well, firstly, commend and thank you, Southlands Chino, for your faithful, sacrificial service, your love, your prayer, your evangelism, your giving. Uh, this is a congregation that God is forming uh, by his glory, but also using your faithfulness. Thank you. And may I commend you and also encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. You know, you've, you've been going 18 months as a congregation. There was some pre-launch before that. Some of you have been going decades because you were here before we got here. Uh, but let's persist together, trusting that in due season, God is faithful. Amen? Keep on sowing seed of, of faith, of the gospel, of generosity, of sacrificial service, of prayer, of worship. All of it is seed in the ground. In due season, our faithful God will bring it to bloom. Amen? Amen. And so uh, I, I have been given permission by Kelly to go off the beaten track this morning. Um, he actually kind of asked me to do this, voluntold me. Um, no, that's, that's not true. But we've all, as congregation, going through the, uh, the, the gospel of Matthew. It's been fantastic. I've gone online to listen to some of your preaching, and uh, I think you are served by wonderful preaching, aren't you? And um, absolutely love it. And the last four or five weeks have been some tough calls from Jesus. Calls around forgiveness, calls around generosity, calls around marital faithfulness and, and singleness. 
uh, uh, calls around humility and servanthood, some tough calls from Jesus. How many of us know that following Jesus is not a walk in the park? There's some, some tough calls. There's a high bar. And, and, and I want to go off track, go back into a little obscure little passage in Joshua 15. So if you've got your Bibles, go there. It'll be up on the screen. But this is not separate from our series. Essentially, I want us to think about this passage that I'm going to teach on. That's a parable of prayer. And think of some of the tough calls that have come from the gospel of Matthew around some of these things that how many of us feel like when a preacher is preaching from the gospel on the tough calls of, of humble servanthood of, or, or, or sexual purity or, or generosity or forgiveness, you just go, oh God, I know that's what you want, but I feel just powerless right now. Any of you feel that? Am I alone? <laughs> I, just, I just feel powerless. And actually, this is a parable on prayer. When we feel powerless to obey Jesus in the tough calls of the Christian life, that we are to ask him for power. It's, it's simple. It's not complicated. But very often, we complicate the Christian faith and we get into our own strength and we become very discouraged because we're not built. We do not have the structural integrity to follow Jesus like he calls us to follow him. And yet there is a call. As much as he calls us to live in a certain way, he calls us to ask his father for power. And this is a parable on that. It's an obscure, obscure three verses in Joshua 15. And it's on the daughter of Caleb. I'll give you a context soon. But her name is... Axa. And I'm going to talk about what it is to ask like Axa. Now, right now, I wish I had an American accent because then I could rhyme it and say asking like Axa. But I can't. I, I, I've, I've got to say asking like Axa. Every time I try to speak American, my wife just says, stop it right now. <laughs> just, just, just speak in your accent. Uh, so, so you would say asking like Axa. I would say asking like Axa. And we're just going to read those three little verses. And Caleb said, verse 16, Joshua 15, whoever strikes Kiriath Sepher and captures it, to him will I give Aksa, my daughter, as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it. And he gave him Aksa, his daughter, as wife. When she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she got off her donkey and Caleb said to her, what do you want? She said to him, give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land of the Negeb, give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. In case you think I'm out of my mind talking on prayer from this obscure little passage, I've actually never heard a sermon on this, but I discovered Charles Spurgeon's commentary on this, and he's my absolute preaching hero. This is what he says. We'll get it up on the, uh, on the backboard as a, as a little summary of these three verses. This brief account of a family, he says, appears twice in the Bible. It appears in Joshua and Judges. And I believe that it is for good reason. It gives us a potent insight into the dynamics of prayer. Here is a picture of an earthly father called Caleb who gives a good gift to his children as they ask. God invites us to investigate the nature of their asking and the nature of his giving to give us a glimpse into the dynamics of prayer. Good little summary, eh? So let's just do a bit of a, a context into this. 
how many of us remember that after Moses got old, he sent spies into the land. He wasn't to go into the land of Canaan. He sent 12 spies uh, to spy out the land. And they came back uh, carrying massive giant grapes on massive big poles between them. It was a fruitful land, but only two of the 12 spies came back with a faith-filled good report. It was Joshua and Caleb. The rest melted with fear. They were like, well, there might be giant grapes, but there's giants in the land. We can't go in. They're going to take us out. Only Joshua and Caleb had a good report saying, the Lord helping us, we can drive them out. Uh, those other 10 spies who melted in fear were never heard of again, but Joshua and Caleb, Joshua in the lead, Caleb as his aide, led the people of God for 40 years into Canaan, into God's inheritance for them. And Joshua 15 takes place after years and years of conquest. And, and he comes to his captain, Joshua, and says, I am as strong now as an 85-year-old as I was then when I was 40. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he must have felt the creaking bones and the aching muscles, but there was something of a virility of spirit. And, And he says to Joshua, now give me the hill country. And Joshua is, is a very secure leader. He says, go for it. Caleb, you've, you've, you've warred with me. You've been amazing. Now take Hebron. And he gives him Hebron. And this 85-year-old giant slayer goes into the hill country, the difficult, rocky, mountainous territory, and he just starts slaying giants and capturing cities. It's an amazing thing. Can I just press pause and just say, Caleb generation. And that's, that's, that's a broad definition. But I would say anyone in your, in your 60s plus, Can I see your hands, 60s plus? We need you. We need you. I know that there is a physical reality, that there is a financial reality, that there's a family reality. I'm not denying those, but we need you to capture this Caleb spirit that says, I'm as strong. My bones might be creaking. I might have grandkids. I love that. I want to spend time with my grandkids. I might not have a massive salary because I'm in in retirement, but actually give me my hill country. We need you to take land for us. Revival does not just come from the younger. Revival comes from generation to generation to generation. We need you. Caleb, men and women, we need you. And then Caleb, this 85-year-old virile giant slayer, hits this one giant and the city called Kiriath-Sephah. And seemingly it's too much for him. And again, it's a beautiful picture of the generational inheritance. And he says, uh, this is too much for me. Any man who can capture this city, I'll give my hand, not my hand, my daughter's hand in marriage. <laughs> and up steps this guy called Othniel, who happens to be Caleb's brother's son. So he's his nephew. And he does, he captures the city. And Caleb gives Axa. And so there's this wedding moment. And we pick it up in this wedding moment where they're having this, this conversation, seemingly after the wedding, where, where Axa, the new wife, is saying to her new husband, look, you've got me, but actually ask my father for land. Like he's a generous father. And there seems to be a reluctance in Othniel. He, he, he doesn't want to ask. And I can't blame him because this is a, an iconic man in Israel. A general, a scary, probably grumpy giant slayer. And this is the uncle. 
And there seems to be reluctance in Othniel saying, no, 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 I've, I've got the girl. What a gift. Why should I ask for, for land? And there's this tension in this new marriage because there's a different vision of Caleb as father. Othniel sees Caleb as kind of a tough guy. He's earned the girl through his own courage and valor. And Axa sees Caleb differently. This is a generous, gracious father. Ask my father for land. What does this teach us about asking, about, about prayer? Othniel, for me, is, is a picture of someone who has earned something of the favor of God. So, so there's blessing in your life because you've, you've worked hard or you've been moral or you know, you've, you've, you've served and, and attended church and paid your tithe and all this stuff. And there is blessing on your life, but, but you relate to God from quite a moralistic works-based relationship. And there's actually a reluctance to ask him based on his goodness. And what we see firstly from this little parable of prayer is that the basis of asking is Father's goodness, not ours. She urges him, ask my father for a field. You can imagine him saying, why? I earned you. Why should he just give me a field for free? There's a different vision between them. And an axa is like a type, a picture of Christ who comes to his people and says, ask my father. You don't know how good my father is. Ask him, not based on your goodness, but on his. And he urges, do you remember in Matthew 11, sorry, Luke 11, when the disciples are watching Jesus pray, and Jesus is always just praying to the Father, Abba, Father. And they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he says, when you pray, say, our Father. See, see the basis of asking is the gospel of adoption. Think of those words. When you, when you pray, say, our Father. What a, a large-hearted, magnanimous statement. In other words, Jesus is saying, when you pray, pray to my Father like he's your Father. Pray to my Father like he's your Father. Say, our Father. Remember Jesus, even after the cross, and, and we know on the cross, one of the things he won for us was adoption as sons and daughters. Jesus always referred to his father in Abba, Daddy. There was, there was only one moment in the Gospels that Jesus was uh, 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 recorded as calling God something else, and that was on the cross, where he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that word was Elohim. It was a, a formal word for God. In other words, in that moment, Jesus was being rejected by his father, and not able to call him Father, but calling him Elohim God. Why? So that we might be adopted as sons and daughters. He opened up the family circle and said, my father is your father. You say, oh, I'm skeptical about, about that. I tell you what, in the resurrection, when Mary comes to Jesus and clings to him, he says, Mary, don't cling to me. I am going to my father and your father. Jesus is here today urging you to ask his father, who is your father too, if you've put your faith in him. See, so often we feel like we've done something in the past that has disqualified us, that causes the father to block his ears to our prayers. 
Or otherwise, we feel like we haven't done enough, like Othniel. Well, I got God's blessing for doing that, but now I've done nothing, so why should I ask him again? And Jesus is just saying, you don't know how kind my father is. I confess, I'm kind of hooked on this Netflix show called Comedians in Cars Drinking Coffee. Any of you watched it? I'm a big Seinfeld fan. Any of you Seinfeld fans? And, and Seinfeld does this thing where he basically, it's episode upon episode upon episode, a little bit addictive, but he, he, he's a car freak. So he, he gets an old vintage car and he matches it to the, the comedian in, in kind of personality. And then he goes and takes them for coffee and over 15 minutes he interviews them. Any of you seen it? It's fantastic. It really is. If you enjoy comedy, cars, and coffee, that's my jam, right? And man, he, he, he has this one moment where he picks up Kramer. You remember Kramer in, in, in Seinfeld? And, and his name is Michael, actually, in, in real life. He picks up Kramer, I kid you not, in a rusty old VW bug. And he takes him in Malibu for coffee. And they're talking, they're good times, old times, Seinfeld and everything. And then Kramer starts to unpackage his heart that is so bruised because seven years ago, this, this truly happened in a comedy club. Kramer got heckled and he lost his marbles and started to abuse the crowd, insult them, and his career has been over since then. You want to, don't YouTube it, but if, if you don't believe me, that happened. And Seinfeld is, is trying to tell Kramer, just Man, you're such a gifted comedian. You've got to get back on stage. He says, I can't. I have blown it. And there's this moment where Seinfeld starts to gospel him. He doesn't know it's the gospel, but he starts to gospel him. And he says, you know what? This is your fault that you won't go to get over that. You need to put that bag down. Put the bag down, Kramer. And you just see this guy who's been carrying guilt, feels like he's been disqualified, start to go, oh man, there is another chance. Can I say, Jesus is the true and better Seinfeld. He, <laughs> he is saying to many of you, put that bag down. When you ask, you don't ask in your name, you ask in his name. And his name is perfect. My name, no matter what I've done, is not good enough. But I ask the Father in, in Jesus' name, not mine. That's the basis for asking. Thank you. You're really encouraging to preach to. <laughs> the spirit of adoption is the spirit of asking. Secondly, the, the posture of asking is grateful insistence. The posture of asking is grateful assistance. She got off her donkey and Caleb said to her, what do you want? What do you want? And she said to him, give me a blessing. Since you've given me the land of the Negev, give me also the springs of water. You see, there's a, there's a mysterious missing piece in this narrative, right? Let's go back. He gets the girl because he slays the giant. The girl asks, or the lady asks, Ask my father for, for land. And we don't know if he did. He seems to be reluctant. We don't even know if she did. But the narrative fast forwards, and you next see her getting off her donkey, riding to Caleb, getting off her donkey, and there's something about her posture that Caleb the father knows. She's coming to ask me for something. You know, when your kids, my, my kids have got that, that uh, tone in their voice where I just know, you know, Dad, 
Dad? Oh, okay, they're coming to ask me for something. I, I want to tell you, the first time, a, first time a human called me Dad, there's nothing like it, nothing like it. First time a human calls your mom, not, nothing like that, is it? And, and actually, Jesus invites us to think of the way we are with our children, our hearts for our children, even though they're not perfect, as a glimpse of the way a perfect father thinks about us. Luke 11, you then being evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? How much more? If you ask your parents for bread, they won't give you a stone. Fish, they won't give you a... In the families of the Bible, and in our families, Jesus actually invites us to think of the way we are with our children. And so there was something in Axe's posture that caused Caleb to go, okay, okay, she's coming to ask me for something. And he doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't say, who do you think you are? I've just given you a husband and land. Now you're coming for something else? He just says, what do you want? Now, we don't know who asked or if anyone asked for land. All we know is that Caleb's given land. It's the land of the Negeb, right? That's what it says, the, the land of the Negeb. Since you've given me the land of the Negeb, she says. So we just say, man, this father is more generous than Othniel thought. Because he was reluctant and read him right. And she comes and she gets off her donkey and she asks him, give me your blessing since you've given me the land of the Negeb. Now, how many of you know what the Negeb is? Any of you? The Negeb is, a, is, is another word for the Negev desert, which, which means, wait for it, the rolling hills of the parched land. It was a desert, the rolling hills of the parched land. Think like those dunes in Dubai, the rolling hills of the parched land. Now, what we see about the posture of asking is that it's not ordering. We don't order God. She gets off a donkey. That's a posture of, of, of humility. It's also a posture of dependence. You, you know, horses and, and donkeys in the Bible are, are, are postures of self-reliance. And, you know, the beginning of, of asking is, is understanding that the Father is good and gracious. I think the next step is realizing that whatever I have, it's not enough. It's time to get off your high horse if you've been blessed. And sit there on your high horse and say, I'm okay, I've got a horse, I've got a donkey, I've got gifts, I've got talents, I've got experience, you know, I've got some money. I w-. No, actually, she's got some stuff. She's got a husband, she's got land, but, but, but she, she goes low. And she comes humble. But humility is not passivity. She says, since you've given me the rolling land, hills of the parched land, give me also. And what we see here is that there's a gratitude and an insistence. Let's pick up those words. Since you've given me the Negev, give me also. In other words, the rolling hills of the parched land, which you and I might say, can you just give me something else, please? Can you give me something fertile, please, God? 
No, no, she's actually grateful. Since you've given me this, thanks, Dad, won't you give me also this? I don't know about you, but I'm often in prayer. I, I come to God a little bit like I'm at a swap meet. Lord, Lord, since you've given me this, can you give me something else? Any of you like that? You know, this, this situation, this, this job, this gift kind of mix or whatever it is, our, my, our age, our, my intellect. Since you give me, the, can, can you give me something else? Any of you like that? This boss. Some of you might be thinking that about your, your husband or your wife or, or your kids. Can you give me something else? But actually, she's a model of thank you that you've given me the rolling hills of the parched land. Since you've given this to me, can you give me also springs of living water? You see, gratitude is the basis for our request. And you can say, well, she is so entitled. She just won't stop asking. I must just practice contentment. I think this is a form of contentment. She's saying, You've given me the land rights, thank you. Won't you give me the water rights too so that we can flourish in this land? Isn't that beautiful? Thank you, Lord. Well, thank you, Father, for where you've put me. Won't you give me water rights so we can flourish in the land? That is not discontentment, that's contentment. Let me give you an example. Let's say I gave Kelly a car. (laughs) And... And Kelly came to me and said, man, Al, thanks so much. Since you've given me the car, won't you give me also the keys? You wouldn't say he's entitled, right? You'd say, yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean he's not going to thrive in that unless I give him this. Let's say Kelly and Marianne give Asia an iPhone 7. She has an 8, but I'm saying like she, she, she drops her 8. And you say, I can't give you a 10, I'll give you a 7. And, and she might like go, oh, this is a terrible phone. Or otherwise, she, she's like, thank you, mom and dad, for the iPhone 7. Since you've given me the phone, I don't even know if any shops stock the charger, but can you find a charger for this thing? You wouldn't say she's entitled, right? You would say, yeah, yeah, that's right. For her to use that thing, that, 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 that's right. Gratitude is the basis for asking. The parched land was a gift, but it was a gift that required water rights, otherwise they would have died. Chino, the place where everything grows. Amen? But how many of you have felt at some stage, oh God, This is hard land. People don't seem as open to the gospel as I thought, or maybe it's not as prosperous as I thought, or maybe it's not as safe. Lord, and you go to God like a swap meet. Will you send me somewhere else? But actually, God is saying, no, I want you to come and thank me for the place I've planted you, and then ask me for water rights to thrive here in the place where everything grows. And, and the vast majority of you have done that. You've gone to God again and again. And I just want to say, you're in great company. When we say, Lord, thank you that you've sent me into this job, into this city, into this church, into this ministry, into this marriage, into this college or school situation, thank you, Lord. But I'm going to die without water rights. 
Father loves it when we come with grateful insistence. This is simple. It's not rocket science. But, but friends, very often I find we're not just reluctant because we think we're disqualified. We're reluctant because we're discontent. And we wish God would put us somewhere else. But actually, if what Psalm 16 says is true, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, in the rolling hills of the parched land. Third and finally, God loves to resource us wherever he calls us, but we must ask, what is your Negev? What is your parched land? I love this final little statement verse says, so Caleb gave her the upper and the lower springs. Just again, a picture of his incredible generosity. I'll give you a bride. I'll give you land too. I won't just give you springs, I'll give you upper and lower springs. Remember Jesus said about his father, my father gives the spirit without measure. <laughs> we, we must ask, what is your negif? What is your rolling hills of the, the parched land? Do you believe God hasn't called you there for you to die, but to thrive? Doesn't mean it's easy. You know, we see those like Instagram memes that sound so good, but I don't know about you. I don't know if I believe them. Like, the will of God will not send you where the grace of God cannot keep you. I mean, it sounds fantastic. But actually, many of us have, have found ourselves in the will of God, but, but it's, it's really difficult. It's, it's parched. And we must ask. We must ask. The land could represent the commands of Jesus, as I said right at the beginning, where, where God calls you to this land that seems like a parched land. It's a land of forgiveness. It's a land of generosity. It's a land of humble servanthood. It's a land of faithfulness in your marriage or, or faithfulness as a single. You just go, Lord, this is parched land. Okay, but Lord, this is good land. Won't you give me the springs? of living water that I might thrive here. The land could be a difficult life situation that you find yourself in. It might be your age. It might be your, your health. It might be a broken family situation or a job where you feel overworked and, and, and underpaid. And God is not distant from you in that. He, he is an empathetic father. He feels your pain. But how many of us know God is not kind of a, a sugar daddy that just lets you go wherever you want? Very often, we duck out of a parched land just before God gives us the springs of living water. And we go from land to land to land like we, we, we're at a swap meet all day long. We're like tumbleweed Christians. You know, if you won't allow God to root you and plant you, through the seasons, you're not going to see the fruit. God wants to root you, and then he wants to resource you. 
so that you can say, man, I reached the end of myself. I, my donkey just wasn't strong enough, but I got off my donkey and God, the gracious father, gave me springs of living water to thrive, not just survive, thrive in a land that could have killed me. That gives glory to God and builds our faith. There's so many seasons where I just go, man, I'm so glad I didn't run from that season before God came through. Don't you find that? Oh, resilience, the resilience of, of asking. You know, the springs in the Bible speak of the presence and power of God. Springs are a, are a metaphor. The presence and power of God. Remember Moses in Exodus 33, as they were going into parched land, Sinai desert, and he just cries out, he says, do not send us up out of here without your presence. Lord, your springs of living water. And there was this moment where Israel was dying of thirst and God says, speak to the rock and water gushed from the rock. God is the God who sets up springs in the wilderness. And remember Jesus, fast forwarding, saying in John 7, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and rivers of living water will spring up to eternal life. And then John, Jesus' best friend, gave a description of how to access the springs of living water. He says, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit whom they would receive once he was glorified, verse 38. The springs of living water talk about the power and presence of God accessed through the third person of the Trinity the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as that. Remember Jesus with his disciples before he left? Acts 1, 8. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. He was giving them land rights. I'm calling you to take inheritance. And he said, but wait. Wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. Water rights. Wherever God calls us in terms of land rights, he says, now come to me for, wait, wait, come to me for water rights. Otherwise you'll die there. Whether it's powerful witness, whether it's faithful marriage, whether it's faithful employing or employing, whatever it is, whatever land rights requires water rights, come to me and ask. As congregations in the Southland's family, and I'm going to land here. We have been asking this year, I know you have and we have, we've been asking God for power, the water rights, to be bold in terms of evangelism. And it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's not easy. We've seen some fruit. It's, it's, it's wonderful. But I've gone back to God personally and just said, Lord, give me power to be able to leap into conversations about Jesus before people ask me what my career is. Because whenever they, they oh, you're a pastor, they just shut down. So, so now, like in conversations, I'm, I'm just looking for gaps to, to share Jesus in hopefully a, a natural, non-cheesy way. How about you? I'm just tired of just building relationships. I, I want to speak about Jesus. And, and I've seen some fruit, but man, this last week we had plumbers. And I'm thinking about this passage and these two plumbers in their 20s of fixing my old faucet. I'm just like, we've been, I've served them coffee. I, 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 
I've chatted about all sorts of stuff. We've been chatting about 30 minutes. I'm like, Lord, they're going to ask me what I do. I, I just want to sh- share about Jesus before they ask me if I'm a pastor. And so I say, hey, guys, you, you plumbers, have you heard of living water? My kids are like, what on earth were you talking about? And they were like, living water? What, what are you talking about? So I start to share about what Jesus said, living water, you know. And turns out, even in my cheesiness, these two guys grew up in a religious home. They, they understood something of the forgiveness of Jesus. But I said, do you know what? Jesus doesn't just save, he also satisfies. He calls himself water. They were like, really? I said, I bet you, you just like me, you run around trying to satisfy your thirst with alcohol and partying and music and women, you still left thirsty. And they go, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus not only saves, he satisfies. And by the end of that cheesy conversation, I was able to pray for them. It's an amazing thing. Example, friends, I think I could have been more skillful. But actually, when we start to see someone thirsty, drink of the living water, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. I want to urge you in the land God has called you to, in your work, in your education, in your friendship circle, in your family circle, to trust Him for boldness, not just to live out Jesus, but to speak about Jesus, to offer prayer. He's got water rights to enable you to thrive. Lord, since you've given me this 35 35 minutes, it's now 36 minutes, with these people preaching your word. Give me also the springs of revelation that this word would be living with them. Lord, since you've given me this this house on the street, give me the springs of boldness and service to my neighbors. Lord, since you've given me the land of this, this friend with my colleague, give me the springs of wisdom to know where they are thirsty. Lord, since you've given me the land of a calling to heal the sick, give me the springs of faith to go with that. I wonder if you could go from this place saying, since you, give me also. Since you've given me this, Give me also. It's a great way to pray. I've been praying that the last 10 days. It's been wonderful. Since you've given me this, Lord, give me also this. He loves it when his children come with humble, grateful insistence. Lord, you have given me resources through the Spirit to be able to thrive, not just survive in the land you've called me. This is not rocket science, but I believe it's a key to thriving. How many of you being evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give us the Holy Spirit if we ask? Let's ask. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this mysterious little parable that teaches us the the heart of asking. And Lord, we thank you that you know that every single one of us that have put our faith in you, we're born again by the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit lives in us. So when we ask for the Spirit, we're not asking him to come and live inside us. We're asking him to fill us. 
And we confess that often we overcomplicate it. But Jesus, you ask us to ask for the Holy Spirit, the springs of living water that will enable us to thrive in the parched land. And so we simply ask. And I wonder before we sing, if you wouldn't mind, if you find yourself like Axa, living in something of a desert Negev parched land, doesn't mean you're backslidden or you might be, but you just find yourself thirsty, desperate for satisfaction, desperate for fruitfulness, and at the end of yourself. I want to ask that you would do something that looks like getting off a donkey and coming to ask. And I want to ask that you would do one of two things. You would either stand where you are or kneel where you are. Sometimes the posture of our body helps us with our soul. So if you, like me, are just desperate for, for the Spirit to come like springs of living water, won't you be bold either to stand where you are or kneel where you are? Thank you. Thank you. How much more? How much more will the Father give us the Holy Spirit if we ask? How much more? And when we ask, we ask in Jesus' name, not our name. We put the bag of disqualification down and we say, I'm asking in your holy name, Jesus. And when we ask for the Holy Spirit, we don't have to work it up. We don't have to get all weird. But the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He he comes like rivers of living water. He comes in different ways. And so some of you might find yourself weeping. Some of you might find yourself just with a calm and a peace. Others might find yourself laughing. Others might find yourself just with, with heaviness come off you and, and a lightness. Others often when I ask for the Holy Spirit to come, I ask for the Holy Spirit to fill me every day. I, I, I sometimes feel a warmth on me. Sometimes I feel my, my eyelids start to flutter. I don't know why, but that's just one of, the, one of the senses of, oh, he's near. He's near. Some of you might find yourself uh, speaking in a foreign language. That's called the gift of tongues. We don't have to force this. We don't have to get weird. But actually, the Holy Spirit wants to come and refresh his people. You can see even some of you right now, you, you, you sense the presence of God closely. Some of you are weeping. Thank you, Lord. Open up springs of living water, Father. In the name of Jesus, come and fill your people. How we love you. How we love you. How we need you. <laughs>